Well, good morning. Some amazing worship. <laughs> Man, y'all sound good. You guys didn't do bad either. But uh, how cool is it, though? Like, I mean, I know. Unfortunately, Christopher Farron is sitting next to me, and so he hears my horrible voice. But his voice sounds good. So you know. But like, how how amazing is it that in the midst of our uh, our bad voices, right? That may be. I'm not speaking for everybody. Hi, Liam. How you doing, bro? Um, uh, sorry, I'm back at one second here. Um, how beautiful is it, right? Like, like this is us. This is the church. This you can't do at home. Right? And, and I know some people are stuck at home and, and can't be here, and for, you know, different, like, legit reasons and stuff like that. But, but like, how beautiful is this? It just doesn't sound the same. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe for those, some of you who are talented and can sing in your car, maybe it does sound amazing. I don't know. I've never heard that in my own car. Um, but, but there's something to that, right? And this morning we're going to be talking about, well, Paul's going to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and he's going to talk about this, this idea that, that, that we're all working together. Like we're, we're one. We're united in purpose. We're, we're, there, there's, there's one thing that we're doing and that we, we rely on each other. And, and in fact... Like, God is most glorified when, when you bring your amazing voice, and I bring my bad voice, and I don't know, there's probably some wavelengths things, and maybe it makes my voice sound good to God or something. I don't know how it works, right? But, but there's something, and it's not just musically, right? Like, this is in our lives. This is how we interact with each other and, and how we labor and serve together and go out and relate to each other, and, and we talked about last week, and offend each other and forgive each other and show grace. It's, this is all God's amazing plan of redemption. And it involves a miserable lot of people, right? Like we are, we're pretty miserable. We, we mess up often. And yet in the midst of all of this, God is glorified. And so that's what we're going to be uh, talking about this morning. I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. If I didn't get to say hi to you, um, please Find me on the way out. Um, if you're a guest here, we've got a, a welcome bag we'll give you, and it's just got information about us and how to, you know, kind of more about who we are and, and what, we, what we believe and what we do. And, um, you know, this, this, is, this is not the Warner show. Where are you, Warner? I don't even know where you went. This is, hey, <laughs> and this is not the me show. You guys, it, it, it's not. Like, we, we prepare and the band prepares and people are here practicing in the morning, but like the point of this is not that we would produce something and that there would be people watching and enjoying. I mean, we, we just saying, show us your glory. Where do you expect, what do you expect out of that? That was a question. You all saying it, I think. Show us your glory, God. Are you expecting like some amazing thing to happen up here? Because it's probably not gonna happen that way. And we're going to see as we walk through this chapter, God shows us his glory in and amongst the relationships and interactions we have in our daily lives. How about we saying hope found 
How do you help somebody else find hope? You see, there's, we can direct people's attention to Christ. And I would argue that that's the only reason we're here. Not just here. It's the only reason we're breathing. Let me start by praying. Father, we thank you so much for this time. God, if there's something I'm going to say that you don't want me to say, I pray that you would just shut my mouth, cause me to forget it. May you be glorified this morning. Help us to see you clearly. Help us to grow in our understanding of who you are and how you see us. Help us to see the world, our circumstances, through the lens of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because that changes everything, God. It changes everything. And we know that to be true. And for those here who don't know that to be true, Father, I pray that you would, you would show them this morning, that you would change hearts. We can do all of these things, God, but we know that we cannot change somebody's heart, but you can. And we pray, Father, that that would happen this morning, that you would draw us close to you, that you would help us to see you more clearly, that you would be glorified. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so this was the first one. So hopefully this week you guys read 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16 on your own, in a small group, around the dining room table with your families, something, right? So, so and, then, and then we're going to go through chapter 3, and then I think next week, I think you guys are going through chapter 4. I say you guys, I am too. Um, well, Dave's, Dave's leading it, he's doing a great job. Um, and so we're, we're, we're trying to get through this, okay? And so we're, we're trying to keep these things connected. I remember last week we talked about that, that, that Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he's trying to explain to them, like, how they should interpret their circumstances, Right and not to be not to be caught up in the, the, the cultural milieu of the day and like the circumstances that are going around right that this competitiveness like the divisions that the strength and success and the power that the Corinthians saw out there Paul goes it's futile and we'll see it today he goes it's futile it's weak it's worthless it's foolishness on the other hand. The gospel is everything. It's the wisdom of God. And so he presents this huge contrast. And all right, so a little quiz time here. Let's see if you guys actually read uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. He compares two different types of people. Anybody want to throw out a name of one of those types of people? Come on. What was it? No. Spiritual? What was the other one? Natural. Natural and spiritual, right? You guys need to do better next time, all right? <laughs> no. So natural and spiritual, right? And, and this is what Paul concludes. He goes, look, and, and he talks about it. We talked about it last week in here, right? He goes, he goes the world, the, the carnal, the, the natural person interprets their circumstances based on success and power and strength and all these things. And so if they don't have those things, they go, well, I'm a failure. And, and Paul goes, that's not it at all. In fact, the spiritual person, right, sees the circumstances by the Holy Spirit, right? We, we read that last, uh, during the week, right, that, that God gives us his Holy Spirit, 
And his Holy Spirit reminds us, interprets, comforts us, shows us the circumstances of our lives through the gospel. Like that was the key, right? And that God gives us that Holy Spirit, okay? And so, so here we go. He, he contrasts these two. And so now what he's going to do is he's going to go back and he's going to back up and go, okay, now that I've explained to you the difference between these two types of people, let's talk about your divisions again. Let's talk about this. Like, let's, let's walk through what this looks like, how we should interpret each other in light of the gospel. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to go, how do we live together in light of the gospel? Because our temptation is to compare ourselves to each other. I've said this up here before. God is, God is working on me, and he's done an amazing, miraculous thing. But, I mean, five years ago or so, I was comparing myself to every single one of you. <laughs> and that's a confession. I'm not proud of that. And that's how I got brought up in the Air Force. Like, it was all very competitive. And it was very much a matter of like, hey, can I, and, and some of you have in, in, encountered this in the workforce or in your schools or whatever, right? Like this kind of, I'm just trying to, and it doesn't mean you're, you're mean to people, you're just comparing. And so what does that create? It creates divisions, it creates competitiveness, it creates all these things that Paul goes, no, 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 that's not how this should be. All right, so we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to read the first four verses here. Uh, the, the verse will be on the screen as well. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. Remember, he just came off of saying there's natural people and spiritual people. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human way, in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? I, I, I love that last line, merely human. Think about that for a second. Paul's expectation, God's expectation for us is that we do not live merely as humans. I know that sounds weird. I'm not saying we're like alien race or anything like that, right? We're spiritual people in contrast to natural people who are merely human. They look through lenses that are just, what do, what do they see? They don't, they don't see us with spiritual eyes. They don't interpret their lives through the gospel. And this is what he's, he's contrasting. He's like, don't be merely human. There's, there's more to this. God gave you his Holy Spirit so that you would not be merely human. Now, here's what's amazing. He does not call them natural people. You guys notice that? At the very beginning, he says, people of the flesh as infants in Christ. So, so from Paul's perspective, he goes, they have the gospel. They are rescued. They are saved. They are Christians. They will be with the Father in heaven. They will find peace and contentment, everlasting life, as opposed to eternal destruction. They are saved, and yet they're in the flesh. They're operating in the flesh. You see, when we compare this natural and spiritual person, Paul doesn't say, it's not a switch that you flip, okay? It's not like, hey, you're a natural person, and you're like, oh, God, yeah, I believe in God, I trust in Jesus Christ, and God goes up and flips the switch, and you're like, there, now I'm perfect. 
now I'm going to do everything right. Now I'm going to interpret everything the right way. I mean, we all chuckle, but there's somewhere back there that we think that often. But we really know that that's not true. All right? we, we really know that there's a living out of our lives. There's a difficulty in interpreting our lives spiritually. We have a hard time doing that. Um, it takes longer. That's probably the biggest obstacle. <laughs> because our initial reaction is usually a carnal and a flesh reaction. It's quicker, it's easier, it moves. We see it happen all the time. It, we, we, we do what everybody else is doing, right? Like, that's easy. What's much harder is to say, let me interpret my circumstances through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me interpret my circumstances based on the fact that God sustains me, right? We, we talked about that last week. Let me interpret my circumstances based on the fact that, that God has already rescued me, and I am simply living out the life that he wants me to live. Let me interpret my circumstances knowing that I live in constant rebellion, but God has rescued me from it, and so there is no shame, right? Let me, let me interpret my circumstances these way, but it takes practice, and it's going to take our entire lives as we just continue to walk this path and understanding and looking through our circumstances through these gospel lenses. So that's where, that's where he starts out. He goes, listen, you're in Christ, but you're kind of... Kind of not responding the way that I was hoping you were going to respond, Corinthians. <laughs> That's kind of what he's saying here, right? Um, and here's the beautiful part. If, if you would turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul later in his second letter to that, third letter to him, right? Um, that's going to be confusing to people in here. So <laughs> watch the sermon from last week. <laughs> anyway, the second gospel, God-inspired letter to the Corinthians. There, that'll, that'll work. Um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, what he's saying is you're going to be changed. He's, he's changing us. This is sanctification. This is making us more and more holy. What does holy mean? Set apart, more and more useful for God's kingdom. Hold on to that. We'll come back to that, okay? So this is what he's, he's saying is happening to them. And notice he says it's freedom. No, this, is some, this is a hurdle we all have to, to overcome. There's a sense that, that this is the opposite of freedom. There's a sense that coming to church, doing the church thing, committing to the things, being busy with church, volunteering, you know, whatever that looks like. It's just part of the obligations of being saved. And that just is, cannot be further from the truth. And this is, this is what he's walking through. He goes, there is freedom. Because he, he's writing to the Corinthians, he's going, you are saved. You're infants in Christ. There's a maturity here. There's a, there's a sanctification process that's going to happen. But you're in Christ. We're going to see this later as he goes through. You're saved. Now, live as free people. Don't, don't be burdened by this yoke of trying to earn God's favor. That's slavery. That's in contrast to the freedom that we have 
through Jesus Christ. And so that's the first point that he makes. And then uh, in verse 5, so back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? So he goes, okay, so then how are we supposed to interpret this? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God's fellow workers. Just hang on that one for a second. Is that how you see yourself? We, we use the term serve God, and we do. We serve God, but, but that's how he sees us, fellow workers. That's like apprenticeship, right? That's like, that's like, he's, like we're walking with him, achieving the same purpose with the same objectives, he wants us to work alongside of him. He wants us to be going in the same direction. And he, and he makes this comparison, and we're going to dive into this a little bit, but he, he makes this comparison of God's field, God's building, right? He's talking about the Corinthians. He's talking about each other, right? Other people are this field. And he says, listen, I, we're just doing what God has appointed for us to do. Like, there's no competition between Paul and Apollos. He goes, I don't know who did what, but like I watered, he, he planted, or whichever one it was, right? Like, he's like, we're still, we're just doing, we're tending the field. Somebody tills the soil, somebody's got to pull the weeds, right? That's the, that's the worst job, we all know that, right? But, but there's this thing that's, ha here's this field that God is bringing up for a harvest, okay? Put this as a mental image in your mind right now. Picture like, I don't know, pick a crop, <laughs> um, and, 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 and it's growing, and, and there's work to be done. Here's the amazing part. What do you do? Have you planted something recently, right? You put this little seed, you put it in the ground, you water it. Make sure, well, first you make sure the ground's good, and then you water it, and then you're like pulling weeds, and then you're like, ah, oh, I just pulled it out. Oops, my bad, right? And then you start again, and you know, right? But you're, you're <laughs> if you're a great gardener like me, right? And so this is what you're doing, right? And you're, you're preparing this field, but you don't make it grow. That's just, that's just, I don't know. That's just how things happen, right? We bury this thing in the soil, and then sometimes they grow. Sometimes they don't. I mean, this is what Paul relates to. He goes, God changes hearts miraculously. We, we talked about this for a while in our, in our small group, and I, I think it's, it was kind of, I don't know, as we, as we kind of were talking about and putting words to it, like that's miraculous, right? I've said this before, I don't like tomatoes, okay? Hate them. If you, none of you could convince me to like them, right? Like there, there's a, I don't know, there's, it's either my brain, it's probably because I have correct taste buds, um, but, but like whatever it is, I don't like tomatoes. You could write an essay, 
You could give me speeches. I could sit out there and you could stand up here and explain to me all the great benefits of tomatoes. But I'm not going to like tomatoes. <laughs> I can sit here and preach the gospel. Warner can lead the band. We can, we can worship together. We can show the love of Christ. You can't change a heart. That's God's job. It's God's job. And so if you feel like there's some pressure in your life of going like, hey, I, I'm the one that's responsible. I gotta make sure I do this right. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna mess this up, right? Like, that's not our job. Our job is very simple. Plant, water, weed, till the soil, do our stuff. Now, here's the amazing part, and here's the trap. Don't we often just go, well, if God's gonna make it grow, see on the other side. <laughs> What, what, do, what do we need to do? Why does God need us? <laughs> it's a good question. Why don't we just let him do his job? If that's what he does, and we have no ability to do it. Why in the world does he have Paul and Apollos watering and doing all these things? Why didn't he make these plants like succulents? They don't need water, right? Or like, right? Or like a... a a weed. Why do weeds grow so well? Right? Like, if we could just swap and make weeds the plants that we like and plants the weeds that we don't like, we'd be good. Sorry, I'm, I've got weedy on my mind, apparently. <laughs> right? So, but why? Why does he do this? Because he wants us to be fellow workers. Because that's where we find freedom. That's where we see hope found. That's where we see Jesus change everything. That's where we see his glory. You guys get that, right? It's because we're walking alongside of him and we're like, whoa, you just changed that person's heart. And I got to watch it happen. D don't wait for some like amazing, like, I don't know, sun ray to come out of a cloud or a, a cloud to be in the shape of Jesus' face. Like, don't wait for that. You've got people in the midst of your life that, that God is asking you to, to work alongside with him and you're going to get to see him work. What better thing could there possibly be than that? What peace, what joy, what contentment in knowing that, that your labor was not in vain, right? We read this throughout scripture. Our labor should not be in vain. It's not selfishness. We, we desire to see, to work alongside God for the same purpose he has. So what's the purpose? Look at verse 10. It says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Now, Paul's gonna, he does this often. He, he completely swaps metaphors. And he goes, okay, we've been talking about a field, now we're talking about a building. But, but you can take all the same stuff, right, that he's talking about with a building, and this is what he's gonna do. He says, and someone else, so, sorry, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it, right? So Paul planted the Corinthian church, and then he left. And then Apollos came in, right? And these other people came in and, and built upon it. He says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, 
and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Keep that last verse up there for a second. I totally interpreted this paragraph wrong <laughs> for a while. <laughs> like, in fact, if you're leadership in the church and I sent you uh, the, the sermon on Friday, uh, I, I don't, I changed it. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that was right. I'd encourage you if, you, if you're if you're in that distro that gets the sermon ahead of time, go back and, and read it and see the, like the shift. Because what is he talking about here? Is he talking about your work in your life on your foundation? It's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about Paul and Apollos, right? He goes, he goes, I laid the foundation. And what's the work that's being done? It's on other people's foundations, right? The foundation was laid in the Corinthian church, and then Apollos came by, and, and he put stuff on it, right? And he encouraged it, and he planted and watered and did all the different things on other people. This isn't saying, hey, make sure you're doing the right things in your life. Personally, for your own growth, for your own benefit. He's not, he's not saying, hey, take care of your own field well. Build your own building well. Use the right stuff. Now, there's truth to those things, but that's not what his context is here. His context is saying, what are you doing in other people's lives? What are you doing? Is your work for other people going to survive the day? And when he says the day, probably in some of your versions, it's capitalized, right? Like a big D, right? Like that, that is the interpretation, right, of the, the people that are writing this going, that's referring to the day of judgment, right? That's the fire. That's what he's referring to. And he's saying, like, will what you have built, what you have contributed to others in their growth, in their faith, will it survive? Or will they just make it? Let me break this down for a second here. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. The foundation that's laid, that's Jesus Christ. That's faith. That's trust. You are rescued. You are justified in the eyes of God. Your sins have been paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. That's it. Done. It's a fact. There's nothing. There's nothing else you have to do. There's nothing you got to earn. That's it. You're done. Now, what was built on that foundation? Was it made out of straw and hay? Was it made out of something that can endure? You see, I think we're going to be in heaven, and we're going to see people, friends, family, neighbors, people that we know in heaven, and we're going to go, Man, and they're, they're going to show up and they're going to be rejoicing, right? We're going to be just thrilled to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And some are going to go, I, I, just, I just barely made it. Like, I, I, I don't know what happened. Like, I didn't, 
I didn't spend my time. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't encouraged. I wasn't, I wasn't poured into correctly. You see, Paul's point here is that our job is to build God's kingdom. That's what he wants us to do, to build his kingdom. That's, that's our purpose. That's what Paul's purpose was. That's what Apollos' purpose was. Paul laid the foundation. Apollos came by. He did some stuff, right? That's our purpose. I get it. We live in such an individualistic culture that we think the goal is for our field to not have any weeds and for our building to look good. And we spend most of our lives walking by fields and buildings going, man, that's some great architecture. Man, that field looks like it's great. But I, I got to go to my next appointment. And what God is saying here is that's not how it ought to be. We are all called to build God's kingdom. What is that? This doesn't, that's not this. That's this. It's each other. Are you building God's kingdom? What are the words that are coming out? Are you, are you helping people find hope in Jesus Christ? Are you pointing people to the, understand their circumstances through spiritual lenses? Or are you just busy just surviving and doing your own thing and moving from point A to point B? You see, this is where he goes, I don't need you to change your job. I don't need you to change what you're doing. But I want you to be my fellow worker working alongside of me, building my kingdom, not your kingdom. That's what he says here. You see how, how this is so others-focused. This has nothing to do with what you're doing for your own spiritual health. We're not talking about like, hey, make sure you get into the Bible more. That's a, that's, that's a good thing. You know, make sure you're praying a lot. Those are, those are important but that's not the context that Paul's talking about. He's like, no, pour into other people's lives. You see, I, pastoring the church, I get the opportunity to do that a lot. And I'll, I'll tell you guys, you know, when I, when I was, I've got a sorted past on, on some of this stuff, but like when I was doing like my, my master's, you know, way back when, it was really just so I could promote in the Air Force, and so I was just doing it. And, um, and I'm like, I don't care about any of the classes that have to do with pastoring or counseling or preaching. None. I skipped them all. I just wanted the theology. <laughs> and now I look at it, I'm like, that's cute, God. That was awesome. Right? And so, but we're all priests. We're all called to pastor to care for. I'm not saying in the formal sense of the church, right? But we're all called to care for each other. Wouldn't it be amazing if the, per the people that you know in your life, when, well, how about this? Do you have people in your life that like, when they speak, you're just like, I just, I walk away from the conversation just encouraged, uplifted, rejoicing in Christ more. And some people, I walk away from the conversation, and I don't. It's not to say that it's bad conversation. 
And this isn't, I'm not trying to make this, this isn't like any recent conversation, just so anybody's, right? This is like abstractly, I think we, we more fall into the other one. We're talking about frivolous things, things that don't matter, things of hay and straw that are gonna get burned away. And the house is gonna get lit on fire and we're gonna come blitzing out of it and we're gonna go, well, I lost all of that. But on the other hand, we have the opportunity to help other people see God's glory in the way that we relate, in the way that we redirect their ideas and thoughts to the, through this gospel lens, right? We go, are you thinking about that the right way, right? Like, let, let, me, let me encourage and exhort you. Let me walk with you through this. And we, we see this in Hebrews chapter 10. And actually, I'm gonna back up one verse, um, Julia, so just stay on 25. But it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's the same day that Paul's talking about. What are we to be about? You guys, why aren't we like that? We get one swing at this. And we are just so consumed with the world. And, and I, I mean, I read this and I go, I don't feel this. I don't feel like, let us consider how to stir up one another. I mean, even like the fourth word, let us consider. I don't have time to consider. We got things we got to do. I'll, sh I'll, I'll show a little love here. I'll say some nice things here. I got to go. Maybe all the dinner engagement somewhere, maybe somebody will come over to our house, but I, I, don't, I don't have time to consider. But this is what we're called to do. How encouraging are we to each other? How, how, how much are we pointing to other people so that those lyrics that we just sang could be true? Show us your glory. Jesus changes everything. Hope found. We're just waiting for God to just do something miraculous in our lives. And all the while, he's sitting there going, would, would you be my fellow worker? Would you just be about building my kingdom? Look what it says in verse 14. He says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. As we see people, do we see them through the same eyes that God sees them? Because remember, the, the assumption here is that the foundation has been laid. Jesus Christ is their Savior. They are rescued. You are rescued, right? If you, if you trust in Christ and you're here, you are rescued. You, you will be in the presence of God with eternal life. It's amazing, right? Like that's the good news of Jesus Christ. He secured that. You didn't do that. He did it. He changed your heart. He took your sins. He gave you his righteousness. That's it. It's done. But God cares about what happens next in your life. He cares what happens next in the person's life that's right next to you or a row in front or a row behind. 
And yet, we just don't seem to care as much. And this is where God's going, would you be my fellow worker? Would you care about the things that I care about? Because I care about those people. We don't, we don't have the ability to go, awesome, they're saved. I gotta go find somebody else to go do something else, right? Or, right? Like there's, there's an encouraging one another that we ought to be doing. And there's a seriousness to this. Look at what he says in verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now, I will say as a quick side note, there's a couple passages in this specific stuff. Um, two that I'll throw out there. One is this is, this is the, the support for purgatory. In Catholic Church is where it talks about the person surviving as through a flame, okay? So you can go back and do your own research on that. We don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that that's what Paul is even referring to here. Um, but that's where, they, that's where that comes from. And then the second piece here is um, this is the verses that people talk about suicide as being like some sort of, like you go to hell if you commit suicide. Um, that, that's where people look at this. Again, it's not the context that Paul's talking about. So I don't think that that's true either. And we can, I, I'll just throw those little seeds out there because it's always fun as we're kind of walking through these things to see that. But what's he talking about? He's going, you're the temple, right? I, I put my Holy Spirit in you when I rescued you, when we laid the foundation and you placed your trust in Christ and I changed your heart, you are now a temple, right? You're the dwelling place of God on this earth. And he goes, how are you doing with that temple? Like not your own, but treating each other. Do you see each other as the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? That's what he's talking about here. Or do you cast it off and you go, yeah, whatever, they're just my enemy, they're my adversary, they're somebody I don't get along with well. They're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see the contrast there, right? And this is where he goes all the way back to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about like there's all these divisions and there's anger, and there's frustration, and all these different things, and he's going, they're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you see them the way I see them? Because I see them as my adopted child. You see them as your adversary. You see them as an obstacle in your life. I see them as somebody who needs encouraging. You see them as just a speed bump and a difficulty, something that makes your life more complex. God says, I see them as my child, I see them as somebody who needs hope. I see them as somebody who needs to know that Jesus changes everything. That's building God's kingdom. We are his kingdom. We ought to be encouraging one another. In the last few verses here in verse 18, he says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or future, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. I think we lose the thrust of this passage if we try to dissect all that. I think Paul is just saying, 
Stop worrying about all these circumstances, your life, your health, death, things. Stop. Be my fellow worker. And know, he points out two characteristics here. He says, let no one deceive himself. We are good at this, really good at this, at reinterpreting our circumstances, justifying what we're doing with our time and our energy, rationalizing why we treat people the way we do. We deceive ourselves. And what else does he say? He says that the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So we deceive ourselves, and it's easy for us to operate in futile ways. And that's why God gave us each other. Because I might deceive myself, but LD's going to call me out. You might deceive yourself. God willing, there's somebody else in this body of Christ that's going to say, hey, are you building God's kingdom or your kingdom? Are you God's fellow worker? Or are you just working on your own? Are you walking by the fields and the buildings going, man, those look great. Somebody else is doing that. That's fantastic. We need, we need people like that. The number of times I hear that. I'm glad to know you're a preacher. We need people like that. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> God needs all of us. And you all walk in this door and you bring gifts. And we're going to see this as we continue to go through 1 Corinthians. You are part of a church that is intent is to build God's kingdom, to strengthen it, to encourage each other, to walk with each other to remind each other, to reflect Christ in this world. He isn't talking about going out there and, and doing things. Like, the, like there's other passages of Scripture that are about that. That's not what he's talking about here. And he's not talking about you focusing on your life and making sure that your field is good and you're building strong and, and that you've spent the time in the Word. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about each other. He's talking about caring about the, each other the way God cares about all of us. Let me pray.